like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. Hey, amazing Ridiculous News listeners. We wanted to put this special note for y'all at the top of this episode that after this season, we're going on hiatus. We have had such a blast creating this show for y'all. It has been one of the coolest creative experiences of our careers. And so, of course, we want to stay in touch with you all. So for updates, follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Mark Kendall Comedy. And I'm at Whirly Bird Pictures. That's W-O-R-L-E-Y. And, of course, follow Ridiculous News Podcast as well for updates. We would love to hear from y'all. Okay, so without further ado, let's get to this amazing episode. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny to the deep and hidden to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Mark Kendall, I'm an Atlanta-based comedian, and when I try doing puzzles, my patience definitely gets tested. Uh, so if you haven't guessed already, uh, today is a deep dive all about puzzles. We're going to be talking about jigsaw puzzles, maybe you will mention Sudoku, maybe that'll come up, crossword puzzles, and more. Uh, my amazing co-host Bill is away today, but we are joined by the incredible Ricky Boynton. Ricky is a phenomenal actor and comedian who you may recognize from the viral smash hit Too Many Cooks on Adult Swim, Heels on the Stars Network, and his hilarious videos on his at Ricky Random social media channels. Welcome, Ricky. Hey, thanks for having me back, man. Absolutely, man. Uh, so every time we got a guest, we have a segment called Giving Them Their Flowers. And, you know, this is a very specific uh, compliment that alone makes sense to you and me, Ricky. But man, oh. thank you for reminding me of the Clive Owen uh classic movie <laughs> shoot them up. up just before we started recording <laughs> we were just kind of talking about like movies like action movies and you reminded me of shoot them up and i remembered seeing that in the movie theater for the first time and it was so good so anyway thank you for 
thank you for that memory. <laughs> oh, no problem. Anytime, man. Anytime. I love that movie too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about puzzles. So for our news nibbles, we're going to hop into right now. These are all headlines related to puzzles in some way. So this first article from the BBC News from several years ago, the headline is, Farndon Parish Council orders Sudoku grave to be removed. So the widow of a mathematician has been told to remove a Sudoku puzzle from his gravestone by the council. So the Farndon Parish Council said the grave breached the standards for St. Chad's Church graveyard. And I got to say, I looked at the picture of this stone and I thought it was totally fine. You know, I don't know what their standards are. Mm -hmm. But uh, Mrs. Robinson, the widow, said, uh, other graves I've seen have a dolphin and even a deck of cards. So if they can remain, why can't this? Uh, Mr. Robinson, who died at the age of 66, had worked as a numerical analyst and had not given any instructions about his grave when he was diagnosed with a terminal illness. Uh, So Mrs. Robinson said, I just thought this would be a good tribute to him. And I think that's really nice. She goes on to say, we are talking about a two-inch square Sudoku puzzle and a one-line mathematical equation because my husband was a mathematician and did a lot of Sudoku puzzles. Mrs. Robinson said the stonemason did not realize they had a duty to consult the parish council. What is wrong with that? That's, that's nice. That's pretty yeah. cool, you know, to put, to put that on the um, on the on the stone for him. Like you know, the person, um, guy rest his soul. You know, he was a mathematician, like they said. You know, that that's a great way to honor him. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what the huge problem is. Well, the parish council said that the stone was against regulations and had to be removed. Uh, so. One of the parish counselors, Sue Rowlandson, said that it contravenes the guidelines that we laid down a couple years before this particular gravestone was made. And so they went on to say that they were becoming concerned about the inappropriateness of some of the things that were appearing on the headstones. So I guess they, they're trying to agree to a set of guidelines that there would only be simple inscriptions. And so I think that maybe they're Unfortunately, they're kind of using this particular gravestone as an example. I'm not sure. Now, at the time that this article was written, this was several years ago, it looked like they were going to continue to discuss the matter. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. a close and shut case. So hopefully it changed for the better. But I guess maybe in their particular cemetery, they didn't want customization. But to me, it's just like, you got to let people deal with that how they want to, you know? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and what is wrong with Sudoku? Like, what? I think I it's mean, great. I've I, 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 I never really, really played Sudoku. So, right, right. So, but I don't know what, are you afraid that it'll like um, spill out a phrase that's like inappropriate or something like that? Like, you know. I don't know. Like, you know what? Whatever. Yeah, I can't imagine what would be wrong with the very small Sudoku puzzle that's on the gravestone as, you know, something that that person would have enjoyed. But uh, I'm just thinking of that council. I'm just picturing them. Um, not being great at math in high school. Right, right. And yeah, being and triggered by it. Yeah. Until they yeah. see, like, oh, yeah. take it down. Yeah. yeah. But, that, but let, let, let that person live in peace, man. That's that's something to honor them, you know? Mm-hmm. And you said, you said, like, you know, they had animals like dolphins on other ones and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Or it could be a situation where they wanted to take something that was like the, the mildest, you know, the softest type of situation mm-hmm. and start with that to show them like, look, we mean business. Like if mm-hmm. we will take this one down, we'll take that down too. Yeah. yeah. It could be like that type of warning shot, but mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. like, no, leave the Sudoku alone. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next headline is from the guardian. 
saying, literary puzzle solved for just the third time in almost 100 years. So this story is pretty wild, okay? So one of the world's most fiendish literary puzzles, which is a murder mystery in which all the pages are out of order, <laughs> has been wow. solved for just the third time in almost a century at the time that this article was written. So Kane's jawbone was dreamed up by the Observer's first cryptic crossword inventor, Edward Powis Mathers, who was known as the Torquemada. This book was first published in 1934. It invites the reader to reorder the book's 100 pages, which is the number of possible combinations, is a figure with 158 digits, and solve the murders within. So John Finnamore, British comedy writer and creator of Radio 4's Cabin Pressure, said Kane's jawbone was far and away the most difficult puzzle he had ever tried. Uh, they went on to say that the first time I opened the box, I swiftly concluded that it was way out of my league, and the only way I'd even have a shot at it was if I were for some bizarre reason trapped in my own home for months on end with nowhere to go and no one to see. Uh, unfortunately, the universe heard me, he said. Uh, he said it took about four months, not continuously, but I had it spread out on the spare bed, and every so often I'd potter in <laughs> sorry potter in was just like a funny british phrasing that i thought was interesting i potter in <laughs> stared it till my forehead bled spent an hour online researching the history of shrewsbury prison or something swap three cards move one back and potter off again there's that word potter off anyway <laughs> how anyone solved it before the internet i cannot begin to imagine so i thought that, that was really interesting dude that doesn't sound like fun at all no no why, why would you uh, why would you do that? Well, I think part of it was he was part of he was one of 12 people. They got asked mm -hmm. to try and solve this puzzle and it was during the pandemic. So I think it was kind of a thing where they were stuck at home and, you know, they had this impossible puzzle. And so maybe it was the kind of thing like the only time I would do it is if I was really stuck at home. So I guess right. that's probably what happened with this person. But well, the people yeah. who were able to solve it, what did they receive? Uh, so he was the only one of the 12 at the time that was able to solve the puzzle. And I think he got a thousand pounds and respect. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like if they just got a t-shirt, I bet somebody would be pissed off. Yeah. You but got like, right. I like, I mean, it kind of reminds me kind of like the, uh, in some way, like the escape room mm -hmm. type scenarios where you have to figure this one part out just to go to the next, next part. Yeah. I've never been to an actual escape room, but I've seen it like on, um, I'm be honest, I've watched like <laughs> escape room video games on, t on YouTube before. Mm -hmm. And just the, it makes you like really faint, not just like stuff you learn in school, but also like, you know, um, common sense and street smarts just like all that connected just to figure out the next uh situation and mm -hmm. i think that's like so cool do you how do you have you been to an escape room you know i have not actually the closest thing i've done to an escape room which wasn't really an escape room at all so in atlanta they had the stranger things experience come through town mm -hmm. have you heard about mm -hmm. this and so yeah. part of the experience is they kind of it's more of like an immersive theater experience to be honest but sometimes you are quote-unquote trapped in a room and you and everyone there has to do some sort of like stranger things activity to get out but it's not like a puzzle that you solve but that's the closest i've been to an escape room truly 
No, that's still pretty. I think that's I consider that an escape room situation. So oh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't like we were really collaborating on like a puzzle or we didn't have to find a clue. But it was it was moderately interactive, you know. Yeah. Um. Only reason I haven't been to one is because I'm afraid of there's gonna be like a situation where things I don't know, like you know how I don't remember from school. I'm like, oh, I'm stuck right here, so. I, guess i'm gonna get bitten by the zombie i don't, I don't know um <laughs> you know uh, I, I guess it being too hard but at the same time you don't want it to be too easy mm-hmm. so yeah but i th- always thought that was pretty cool though. i agree i agree so this next one's from today.com by anna chan and the headline is college student loses wheel of fortune puzzle with all letters revealed and so i went and watched this video and it's tough all right so The article says, Wheel of Fortune can offer up some mind-boggling puzzles, but when an entire phrase is spelled out, contestants generally have no trouble solving. But that wasn't true for player Julian Batts, who some viewers are now calling the worst player in the history of the show. So, yeah, I watched the video. It is tough, but I wouldn't call him the worst player in the history of the show. He He was doing his best. So what happened was he was playing Wheel of Fortune, he was spinning. He was getting all the letters. And then sure enough, all the letters were revealed like it was completely full. And the solution was mythological hero Achilles, right? But instead, he said Achilles. Nice off. Oh, that would be a good idea, yeah. <laughs> mythological hero Achilles. No. And so then he got the buzzer. And so no. the round then went to the person next to him that's just like said it correctly. And so I didn't realize this, but one of the rules for Wheel of Fortune is when a contestant tries to solve a puzzle, they must pronounce it using the generally accepted pronunciation. And a spokesperson from the game show told that to today. The thing is, though, it worked out. I mean, he won $11,700 and made it to the bonus round. And so he was still successful, but that was an embarrassing gaffe. So I hate to say this, but it's kind of tough to convince people that you shouldn't have lost that because one of the main things to go on Wheel of Fortune is you need to learn how to know how to spell. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not the best at spelling myself, so I know I would never be on that show. But I'm like, come on, man. And I think spelling aside, it's just like, you got these lights, cameras on you. Yeah, he could have been nervous. You know, I think nervous. it's, it's yeah. probably nerves. Like, if you were to ask him the next day, do you know what an Achilles is? Or have you heard about the mythological, uh, you know, or have you heard about the mythical hero Achilles? They'd probably be like, yeah, you know, but in that moment, they just kind of flubbed it. And yeah, you're right. I, and in the video, I continue to watch the video. He had other similar flubs. So I think he was just probably in his head. So, yeah. And, and you, you're right. Not to, not to mention, you know, there's a studio, live studio audience and then you got cameras. And then you know, so many a lot of people watch uh, Wheel yeah. of Fortune. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. It, it just kind of sucks. It yeah. Sucks but you know, but he, you he probably he, out, he still he still got like eleven grand. So that's yeah, great, so. yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's just like for eleven <laughs> grand. Hey, I'll be embarrassed for eleven grand for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
oldest girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Uh, thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all, we're back. We're still talking about puzzles. I'm joined by Ricky Boynton. And so, Ricky, let's talk about jigsaw puzzles, right? So you probably recognize those. That's when you get a box, you put these pieces that fit together. So this article from CBS News had a little bit of info on the history of how this particular kind of puzzle came to be. So the very first jigsaw puzzle is said to have been made by London map maker John Spilsbury in the 1760s. Uh, So Ann Williams is a jigsaw puzzle historian and author of the jigsaw puzzle piecing together a history. And they said that he pasted a map onto a thin piece of wood and he used a scroll saw to cut it up. England would be one piece. Germany would be another piece. And so he marketed these to the very affluent and influential people as a tool to teach their children geography. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Yeah. So then 
By the time we get to the 20th century, gaming company Parker Brothers came up with the idea of interlocking pieces, each one cut by hand mostly, uh, and Williams says, by women. So Parker Brothers claimed that it hired women because they already knew how to sew, uh, so that they were easy to train, but they didn't mention that they could pay the women a lot less. So that probably was the actual motivation, if I already guessed. It does, it does. But, um... So what's interesting, though, about these puzzles, right, about jigsaw puzzles, it it was during the Great Depression that the popularity of jigsaw puzzles exploded. So according to Williams, 30 million households in the United States were absorbing 10 million jigsaw puzzles every week. Good man. I know, right? I mean, but but think about it. Now, if you you go to, like, anyone's house, at least they have at least one jigsaw puzzle. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. whether it was they bought it themselves or it was, you know, passed down from like their their parents and grandparents or whatever. But I've every person's house I've been to, I've always seen at least one jigsaw puzzle. So that mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this talks about how puzzles were both entertainment and employment. So there were so many people out of work at the time. And this is from Williams again. You could buy the equipment that you needed to make them for 20 bucks or so. So they'd set up a saw in their kitchen or their basement, and they started making these puzzles and selling them to their neighbors or renting them out through the local drugstore, which I never knew and is super interesting. That is that is really cool, man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it just also makes me also think about just the business of like making toys. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. puzzles or um, dolls and action figures or things like that. Um, yeah, and I've always thought it was cool. Um, there's a series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I forgot what I think it's called. Um, have you seen it or something like that? Okay. Where they're talking about um how the first series, uh, the first uh, season I believe was about how different movies got made, like for instance, RoboCop, mm-hmm. um, Beverly Hills Cop, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But there's also a series where it was all about toys. Oh, is that how the toys that made us? Yes, the toys, the movies, mm-hmm. the movies that made us, and the toys that made us. Gotcha. There we go, mm-hmm. and the toys that made it. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just like mm-hmm. how these franchises started, and then just seeing that documentary of just a simple idea like that just exploding. Mm-hmm. And you know, the puzzle has been here for so long. You said it was started when the 1700s. Well, the jigsaw puzzle goes back to the 1760s. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, and to this day, people are still doing puzzles. Mm-hmm. Now, I, one thing I love about puzzles is um, the fact that you have to have patience to do, <laughs> yeah, to actually uh, solve a puzzle. Whether mm-hmm. it's like one of those actual puzzles or like you know some kind of uh, riddle or whatever, but yeah, you actually have to have patience to do that. So yeah. um, I guess it can be like very soothing for people. It can be like um, a form of therapy, I guess. Well, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that because that segues really nicely into the next story. And this is from Wired.com by Zoe Hanna. And the headline is, Why You Gravitate to Puzzles When You're Depressed. And so and it's not just when you're depressed, but why puzzles can be calming. The article goes on to explain more, where it says that according to London-based trauma therapist Olivia James, it doesn't matter what format your puzzles come in. Solving them feels good because it offers a sense of control and satisfaction. Uh, she goes on to say that what's so satisfying about puzzles is that there are no surprises. Nothing unexpected is going to happen in a puzzle. So focusing such that your mind is occupied but not excessively challenged, James says, is incredibly helpful for people with depression, anxiety, and stress 
because it offers what she describes as a little holiday from yourself. So for some people, this, quote, gentle focus takes the form of tending to a garden or tidying a room, while others, puzzles fill the space. Yeah, oh, um, in a weird way, it keeps you present. You mm-hmm. know, it keeps you, like you say, it keeps you focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Because also, um, then they say, like, crossword puzzles or those type of puzzles um, are good for, like, people, like, for, like, dementia. I believe so. I I think it's definitely, like, helps your brain for sure. And you also see a lot of, um, and when you were growing up, you always see, like, your grandparents always doing some kind of puzzle where it was Sudoku Mm -hmm. or a crossword puzzle Mm -hmm. or um, word search or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, man, that is so cool to hear that it helps out with mental it helps with your mental health and like you know you don't really think about it that that way you just go to do it but i guess while you're in it you know that's when you're like you're not less you're less focused on the situation that you're dealing with i guess in mm-hmm. reality mm-hmm. um so yeah are you, have you always been, always been good with like puzzles and um I, any type of puzzle so i definitely remember playing them as a kid more recently i've tried some like more challenging puzzles and mm-hmm. sometimes it's re- relaxing sometimes it's, it's frustrating. And the article kind of touches on that some. So this article from Wired.com goes on to say that the effectiveness of puzzles as a coping mechanism depends greatly on how challenging the puzzle is for each player. And that's, a, mm. again, according to uh, trauma therapist James. It's about finding the right balance between challenging and feasible. It can't be so hard that you get frustrated and down on yourself but it can't be so easy that you get bored or distracted by other thoughts while playing. And so I've gotten a jigsaw puzzle recently. It's like a thousand pieces and it's very satisfying when you find the pieces that fit. However, this particular puzzle that I'm working on might be just a bit too challenging because I find myself getting frustrated and walking away. But like we said, there's a bunch of different types of puzzles and uh, have you ever played uncharted? before this is a video game i have not played uncharted but i've seen it okay exactly so uncharted yes. it's like half action mm-hmm. and also like half puzzles and yeah. the difficulty level is like it's challenging but i'm able to figure it out eventually kind of and that's sort of the sweet spot so if i could find like that level of difficulty but for a jigsaw puzzle i think i'd be really mm-hmm. i'd be that that would be a very relaxing activity right now it's just kind of frustrating and i sort of power through it you know but with yeah, the next puzzle yeah. that i get i think i need to get one that's just like slightly easier do you think all video games are puzzles um that's a weird question but no that's a good question though i mean i guess on some level because you got to figure out a way to i guess you uh adapt to that situation or figure out a way how to yeah win. i guess it kind of depends on your definition of what a puzzle is you know because it's just like you can play like nba 2k right and like mm-hmm. basketball isn't exactly a puzzle, but you do have to figure out where to place certain players or when to shoot. And so there's like, I would imagine puzzle solving mechanics going on in your brain. Uh, but I think a lot of video games are just straight up puzzles, though, for sure. Yeah, um, because I'm thinking like, um, well, I guess it's more specifically like Uncharted. What kind of game is that considered? Isn't, um, and please don't hurt me if I get this wrong. Is, <laughs> is that considered an RPG? Um, it's not. A, it's not an RPG. Is it? I don't think so. I think it's more of just like an action game. Is how I think like of an it. Action game. Because mm-hmm. I, I see. I see it like in the same vein as um Tomb Raider. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff is. like that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I like how you know you can't just automatically just beat up somebody and just go to the next level. You have to figure out 
how to get out of this trap mm-hmm. or how to survive this situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like games like that. But I also like the fighting part aspects of it too. So mm-hmm. um, like, for instance, I've really um, enjoyed the God of War. Oh, that looks games. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, play, have, you, have you played any of those? A little bit. I haven't gotten very far. Like I, I wasn't very, I wasn't very good when I started playing. But I, it looks awesome. I've watched a lot of it. <laughs> like yeah. what I'll do is, if a video game gets too hard for me and I like get stuck, I'll go on YouTube and watch people that are better than me, so I can see what the levels look like ahead. And I've done. A I bunch do of the that. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do the same thing. I've done a lot to you. Yeah. <laughs> And come like, dang, how do I get past the seagulls? Yeah. Or the vultures or whatever. Right, and then right. you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I will be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm not playing a game, um, I would like to see, I do like watching speed runs. Mm, that's cool. For those of you who know, a speed run is basically someone beating, trying to beat the game as fast as they can. Yeah. Like usually there's a record that they're trying to break. So, yeah, but I like watching that just to see how they, all these little cheats that they have or little mm-hmm. ways of getting around this and this. Like, oh, you can take damage here, but it'll help you go farther. You're like, what? Yeah. Uh, that's I just love watching stuff like that. I think it's I think it's so much fun. And I would love to see the people who created the game watch somebody do a speed run. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know about that glitch right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I've always been a fan of those, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, speaking of speed runs... So there's this person that did Rubik's Cubes and they were really, really good. And they would like perform by doing Rubik's Cubes in front of an audience. And I don't just mean like you watch them and over the course of four or five minutes, they put together a Rubik's Cube. I mean like, no, they'll be like blindfolded and like in each hand, they'll do a Rubik's Cube with both hands. Or it's like they'll do a Rubik's Cube in one hand by doing something else with another hand. It was fascinating. But that it was like a real life speed run but instead of a video game it was for a rubik's cube okay so here's my question with that yeah um i guess with the um the part when the performer was blindfolded yeah i guess rubik's cubes they're supposed to automatically come in like a certain um form and what i mean by that is like um it's 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 out of whack how it is. How it's like... Um, you know, I have never bought a Rubik's Cube, so I don't know. You mean like if it comes already put together, if it comes already mixed up? Already mixed up. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, already mixed up. Is there like a certain format of it being mixed up? I'm just trying to figure out how would they be able to do it blindfolded? Like, do our certain colors feel different on the cube? I guess they'd or, have to. Yeah. Because otherwise I don't know. But I, I saw them do it. I saw him do his blindfolded. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I believe it 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's just I didn't know if there was like a certain way they was automatically mixed up. And then they would memorize the routine of how to get it back to. I think that's. I, I, I don't know. Either I don't know what it was. Either he Either he knew how each color felt or he memorized exactly how he did it. I don't know. But it was like, it was fascinating. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, y'all, we're back. Got a few more interesting stories about puzzles here. This next one is from BBC News. And this one was interesting. So we've talked about Rubik's Cubes. We talked about crossword puzzles, jigsaw puzzles. This is uh, an interesting type of jigsaw puzzle. So again, this is from BBC News. And it says that Ted Howard wrote 98 letters to Molly during the seven years he spent traveling Europe as a farm worker. When she found someone reading them in 1953, she tore them up. So Ted began putting the pieces back together in 1993 and completed the puzzle in 2008, three years after his wife died. He wrote the love letters on hotel writing paper as he traveled the UK, Ireland, France, and Holland in the late 40s and early 50s. But his wife tore each one into more than 20 pieces, creating more than 2,000 fragments 
some smaller than a thumbnail. Oh, wow. But he got all of them and he pieced them back together? Pieced them back together. Yeah, and these were love letters Man. that he had written to her through through the years. Yeah. Dude. And you say she would, if somebody else read them, she would tear them up? Well, that's what was kind of unclear in the article. It seemed like something happened where she found someone else reading these love letters, and I don't know what caused her to tear them up, uh, but but that's what she did. So, um, so I don't know what led to that, but that's but that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's awesome though. That the fact that he was able to find all those fragments and post them back together, and it it sounded like the ultimate romantic love story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was. It's kind of wild to think that you know, after this person that you've loved has passed away. And, mm-hmm. and as you're kind of like dealing with them no longer being there, you're piecing together and literally being reminded of how you felt about this person, yeah. you know, and 2000 pieces. That's a lot, <laughs> you know, like it that's is. a lot. And it's not like, I mean, these are letters, so it's not actually like jigsaw puzzles that are meant to be put together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like trying to figure this out. I, I'm surprised that he did it, frankly. Yeah. And like. What what if like a, I was just thinking like, what if a piece came up missing, or what if a piece, uh, fell in like a little bit of water, mm-hmm. and for him to be able to find every single piece, and put it together, I'm just amazed by that man. Mm-hmm. Just the patience, but it also shows you know how much she truly meant to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which and that's really cool, man. You know it's it, in a in a weird way. And not trying to be corny, but it's like you know like love conquers all. Yeah. Type. Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah. But oh, like you said, 2,000 pieces is that's a lot, dude. It's a lot of pieces. You have it's a lot of pieces. Uh, you have to have a lot of patience to do that, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you start? How do you find, like, I don't know. I'm, and I'm like, like, yeah, I'm curious because it's just like all the pieces had to have been together and they mm-hmm. must have been left in that place. And it seems like a pretty wild story. So for this next headline, It deals with crossword puzzles. But before we talk about this crossword puzzle story, I wanted to share some interesting facts about crossword puzzles. And so this comes from wordswithfriends.com. And it just listed some interesting crossword puzzle facts. So I picked some that I thought were interesting. So the very first crossword puzzle ever published was in New York World in 1913. Though the origins of the crossword puzzle itself stretch back for several hundred years earlier uh, and can't be perfectly pinpointed. The very first time a crossword puzzle was mass distributed to the public came on December 21st, 1913, using the name Word Cross. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just picturing, you know, the people when they first saw the first crossword puzzle mm-hmm. and was thinking like, oh, what is this? I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, and then when you get the hang of it, now all of a sudden just you just start that craze and then I bet, you know, it's just, um, the crossword probably just blew up after that. Well, it did blow up because now we're still using crossword puzzles. So. Absolutely. Very much so. Do you still do crossword so. puzzles? You know, uh, not as much. Not as much. I, I as, a, as a kid, I enjoyed them mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I didn't graduate to doing, like, the papers crossword puzzles every morning. What, what about yourself? Did you Did you do crosswords? Not as much now, just like you, but back in the day, mm-hmm. like when I used to be over my, my grandma's and she used to do one part of the crossword and I would go and do um, some of them mm-hmm. that she didn't want to, uh, that she she would leave some of them open, like the easy ones for me so I could like try to find them out and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I haven't done them in a long time. 
I guess I'm just trying to find the equivalent like games and stuff that would be like that. Mm-hmm. Like um like a puzzle thing. Oh like te- oh of course Tetris. Have you, were you a Tetris fan? A little bit. I played a little bit of Tetris, yeah. 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 It's it's fun. It's a it's a fun game. Yeah. Yeah, back to the speed run, dude. Um, I, I saw these people. Yeah, I saw these guys doing a Tetris speed run, and I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, you you really have to think sometimes like five moves ahead, sometimes more than that. Yes, mm. because I'm thinking like, why didn't you, you know make this line right here so you can um, delete it? Mm-hmm. But no, they were making all these huge um, blocks, and then they'll have like one little stone they'll come down, and it will just like destroy ten lines. Wow, I'm just like wow. Well, we got one final headline, uh, and this is from The Guardian. And the headline is, Crossword Master reveals in puzzle that he is dying of cancer. So, uh, quiet, the article, yeah, so the article goes on to say that quietly, ingeniously, and of course, cryptically, the beloved and sometimes feared crossword setter Araquaria used one of his own crossword puzzles to announce he was dying of cancer. The Reverend John Graham, who has the pseudonym Araquaria, which is a pseudonym from the Latin term for the monkey puzzle tree, told Guardian readers about his terminal illness. And above cryptic crossword number 25,842 sat a set of special instructions. Arakaria, it said, has 18 down of the 19, which is being treated with 13, 15. So those who solved the puzzle found the answer to 18 was cancer, to 19, esophagus, and to 15, palliative care. The solutions to some of the other clues were Macmillan nurse stent endoscopy and sunset. And so at the time of this article, he was 91, kind of announcing this. And he was kind of saying, like, you know, I've done crosswords for so long, and it mm-hmm. seemed fitting, you know, for me to do it uh, in this way. I thought that that was kind of like a bittersweet story, you know, like, of course, yeah, sad yeah, that it, they're going through this, but nice that they were able to use this medium to deal with it. Like, in a way, it was his version of a poem. Mm-hmm. You know, a poetry of like how he um, of his situation, mm-hmm. but just like, like you said, through his medium. Mm-hmm. But just um, wow, just being one of the people who like followed him, I'm just picture the folks who are were doing the puzzle and just figuring it out as they went. It's just like wow, it's it's crazy to hear. Apparently, they got like support and letters too as well, which mm-hmm. I, I'm sure helped them. And they eventually passed away at 92. Obviously, like, death is sad and difficult. So any way that you can deal with it, I think, is a nice thing. And so it was cool that they were able to deal with it in this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, rest in peace. Rest in Absolutely. R.I.P. R- for sure. For sure. But, yeah, it was bittersweet, man. I think that's a great way to um, express your situation. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're moving on to our final segment called The Spring of Inspiring Inspiration. So this is when we share an inspirational quote to end things on a positive note. And today's quote comes from Erno Rubik, who's the inventor of the Rubik's Cube. And the quote is, a good puzzle, it's a fair thing. Nobody is lying. It's very clear. And the problem depends just on you. So I thought that was nice, you know, a way to look at a puzzle. It's just like, no lying, it's clear, and you're in control. You know, control, take ownership. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, Ricky, thanks so much for dropping by to talk about puzzles with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, what are the best ways for people to stay in touch with you, support you? Follow me on social media at Ricky Random, R I C K E Y R A N D O M, one word, on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. You know, just check out my page. We have a chance. 
Awesome. Please follow Ricky. Uh, thank you for being here, Ricky. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Ridiculous News. We know you have a lot of choices of what to listen to, so we say this genuinely. Thank you. You can also email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. And on Facebook and IG, you can follow Ridiculous News. And you can check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy. Bye, y'all. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.